0: Okay, so we're back This lovely Thursday evening Here to give you that news First up, Shannon Sharp Skip Bayless Acting like an old married couple Let's get into it All talk Radio, live in 4K
1: Still playing at a high level at 45
2: when you had to stop at 35. Still, that's what you that's do. That's the point. That's what you do. Every time somebody, every time I call something in question, I'm jealous. No, I did no, what I did. I never did. said you were jealous of Baker Mayfield. Still, I did what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay, I got so three what? Super Bowls. So what? So what? He's way better than you were. I'm better way than you were. Yeah, I got to see what you okay. do. You take personal shots. No, when you, for the I do take personal oh, shots. Time you time started time it. Time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I so didn't take I a personal take shot at you. At you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You would take a personal yes. shot.
0: <laughs> you heard the crack in his
2: voice? Time out <laughs>
1: Time <Turn> out! <laughs> glasses back on.
2: Can I finish? You're willing to take
0: Put your glasses back on, Harriet. We're not doing this right now in front of the public.
2: The personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because i say he's playing bad this year well because you 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 just dis, you disrespect him it's it's just so, it, so it's you, been, dis- you know him. what it's beneath your you dignity disrespect me to support no, him no well i'll also you
0: disrespect me to support him isn't that right skip cue the sappy soap opera music <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> arguing like an old married couple
2: for him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your game and it's by have far at it. have at it. okay off, i'm going to have at it because i'm going to have that you
0: wow sounds weird sounds weird <laughs> oh man it sounds weird all right let's get into this article Caddy Caddy, Caddy Caddy. Skip Bayless was wrong when he came hard after Shannon Sharp on national speed. Who's the most annoying sports personality in the United States today? Stephen A. Smith, Joe Buck, Jason Garnett? No. They don't even come close to the anointing personality that is Skip Bayless. Torment athletes and sports fans for 50 years as a sports journalist and TV personality. And the latest evidence was displayed on Monday's episode of Skip and Shannon Undisputed should be skip and shannon lover's quarrel that's that's what it should have said <laughs> to no surprise skip and his co-host shannon sharp had a heated debate on tom brady's performance over the weekend when his tampa bay buccaneers faced the san francisco 49ers as expected Skip defended brady for his performance in the buccaneers blowout loss and shannon was highly critical okay for context the buccaneers lost the to the 49ers 35 to 7 in what can only be described as a slaughter in the game brady threw two interceptions and had a passer rating of 63.7 not a good game from the goat now um remember when tom brady was on television and uh he said that his wife was a witch but she was a good witch and she helped him in games um people didn't believe me when i said that when giselle leaves tom brady his performance is going down the tubes and people you know a lot of men were in in their panties They're like yo no, man he was great before he met giselle you know she's stressing him out no 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 a lot of these people <laughs> like tom brady all right they date witches okay you see um Gabrielle, Wim- Gabrielle Union, she's a witch, and she's with Dwayne Wade. And look what happened to Zion Wade. Okay, Tom Brady is up there. Okay, late forties. Okay, mid forties. Sorry, mid forties. Okay, and there's only so much punishment the human body could take playing a contact sport like football. Okay, and like I said, when she leaves like many witches when they leave their lovers whatever they have given them comes right leaves them all right it goes back to the witch This performance is gonna suck look what's happening Shannon argued that brady deserve 100 of the blame for the loss skip and skip often gives him 100 percent credit when they win skip argued that they were a multitude of reasons why the bucks lost on sunday nothing is wrong with arguing this got personal and loud if you want to hear the whole screaming match just check out the video eventually the debate got to a point where skip claimed Shannon's jealous for because Brady is playing at a high level at the age of 45 while Shannon retired from the sport at 35 skip even went as far as saying he's a way better player than you are that's a stretch okay I'm sorry that's that that is a stretch okay that's the precise moment when the line was crossed don't get me wrong i'm all for television personality screaming and yelling at each other it gets ratings but taking personal shots at your colleague to defend a quarterback that hasn't even been to you on your show is lame as hell to be clear brady is one of the greatest football players ever but so was sharp his 14-year nfl career shannon was named to the pro bowl eight times first team all pro four times and won the super bowl three times he was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 2011 and is unequivocally one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Nobody in their right mind should be disrespecting Shannon's football career, especially a man who was infamously averaged 1.4 points as a, junior, as a junior on a high school junior varsity basketball team. If you want to criticize him for his opinions on HBCUs, go right ahead. But Nobody should question his sports accolades shannon did not deserve that level of disrespect from skip and he's lucky shannon did not jump over the table and 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 make a scene for the disrespect uttered out of his mouth obviously with have been some criticism aimed at shannon but she, wouldn't have did it. she wouldn't have had it coming from me that's the thing man he, he touched the nerve and um he's lucky shannon got that self-control real lucky because he could have gone messy all right okay on to the next story right here going into politics it seems like Germany is going back to its roots that's what it seems like I'll tell you why Okay. Germany is now total dictatorship Dutch journalists to Russia today. Western nations have used the Ukraine conflict as a pretext to destroy what left of freedom what was left of freedom of speech. Sonia Van den Ende says. The European Union is reportedly planning to target Russian media channels with the upcoming 9th Sanctions package, freezing the assets of Anno Tavolski, Russia Today's parent company, and revoking licenses from the new from a few outlets, which still hold them within the block. Russia Today spoke on the new plan broadside against Russian media with Sonia Van den Ende, independent Dutch journalist, who believes the ongoing crisis has become merely a pretext to intensify the years-long crackdown on the freedom of speech west. This is what the Western countries are doing since the start of the special, special military operations even before that, even before the Syrian war, wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and Denden said. But now it's a testified a lot and we see everyday new things coming out. They clearly want to control the media. This is what they do already. Everything that is said in favor of Russia or just neutral about Russia is straight away banned everywhere. Okay. Germany has repeatedly targeted Russia Today and its German language division, Russia Today DE, in particular. The latest initiative in the field was floating was floated this week by MP Andrea Lindholz, a CDU CSU parliamentary group chair, who proposed to set up a special reporting office to tackle Russian disinformation. The MP claimed that the alleged danger of Russian propaganda and this information in Germany should not be underestimated particularly given the economic troubles when everything is getting more expensive there is a risk that people will become more receptive to pro-Russian fakes Hmm. let's see what she has to say hold on a second
3: Joining me now in the studio is independent Dutch journalist Sonja Vandenende. Many thanks for coming in today. It's lovely to see you. Uh, what do you make of this proposal to create an office reporting on alleged Russian disinformation? I mean, is this about fighting so-called propaganda or is this about cracking down on freedom of speech?
4: Well, I think apparently it's cracking down on speech. This is what uh, Western countries are doing since the uh, start of the military special military operation. Uh, even before that even before uh, the syrian war uh, was in iraq afghanistan libya but now it intensifies a lot and we see every day new things coming out and they clearly want to uh, control the media this is what they do already and everything what is uh, said uh, f- in f- favor of russia or just neutral being about russia is straight away banished it everywhere and So it's control, it's uh, freedom of speech is really gone in uh, especially Germany but also my country, the Netherlands. So Mm -hmm. it's horrible.
3: EU officials seem to be very concerned, don't they, about the popularity of so-called Russian propaganda. What threat does it pose?
4: Well, I think the threat that they imagine is that uh, maybe some truth will come out that they are telling not what is really going on in. The special operation in russia because they want the public to believe that the sanctions are working you see you know in russia maybe the people have terrible things they don't have food maybe anymore or everything is bad because we don't take their gas anymore uh, this is number one and secondly in i think in germany they are very afraid because there's a huge population of german russians or russian germans however you want to take it these are the people who came after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1992. A lot of them came from, uh, I think, Siberia, Kazakhstan. They came back to Germany because they they were German. And now, of course, these people see what is happening in Germany. So they are afraid of them. And also they had a putsch, you know, and. Uh, a revolution so-called <laughs> mm. so they are afraid of them as well so i think this is what is going on they see that people slowly but surely are discovering the truth so this is what not should be allowed to happen of course
3: well should this uh, this proposal to create offices on disinformation go ahead it's it's not going to come for free is it given the, the present economic upheaval people are struggling across the the eu is this an expense that your average german would see worth it
4: I don't think so, especially Germany, is what I said, is, uh, pe- the people are rising up already in Germany. Every Monday night, they are so-called walking on the street everywhere in the big cities, especially in the eastern parts of Germany. So I think now, because the gas price is so high and the electricity bills they have to pay, it's huge. The people cannot make ends meet anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I hope that they will protest more because, you know, this is the next part, freedom of speech is gone.
0: All this going on all this is going on and um they want to have to prepare their military to fight russia the german military wants to fight russia that is suicide uh uh-uh. the people want to revolt against you and you want to pick a fight with a larger nation not a good idea not a good idea
4: and so what is left then they have no life i mean they have no uh, they cannot uh, pay their normal bills anymore uh, they cannot pay- what they want so I think it's really uh, it's it's a total dictatorship what you have then. Mm. this is what they don't want they preach democracy and freedom and they do the opposite so mm. uh, I
3: suppose another question would be if, if Germany did set up these offices on disinformation what would it stand to gain from it so apart from saying "Oh, look what we've done you know aren't we great is that the only only thing they stand to gain mm.
4: I think it will not work in the end because you know a lot of people like in Germany they also have VPN so they can look on the internet whatever they want to see. But of course there's one catch: the EU wants in two thousand and twenty-three a digital, uh, yeah, somehow ID. So this is me. This means that they will have somehow a digital wall, like the Berlin Wall, but they have a digital wall. So all the time when you want to enter on the internet, you have to put in your password and so on. Mm -hmm. And if you have good points, you may be allowed to go into the internet or not. So this is all some things they are working on. So
0: they're trying to turn Germany into China with their social 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 credit score. Okay, basically, if you say something that is not liked by the government, they could take away your college tuition. They could take away your job. Um, They could keep your kids from going to college. If you do good by the government, you get points and you could get your privileges, certain privileges. It's crazy, but that's what it is. Basically, they're trying to muzzle free speech. Like I said, Germany is going back to what it was like in what they were known for uh, during World War Two, being very fascist Nazi Germany.
3: There's some frustration in Europe at the failure of Western media to report more extensively on the protests that we've been seeing against the sanctions and everything that's happening there in which um, but Russian media have been reporting on this. Doesn't this illustrate a failure of the West to some extent?
4: Of course, because the regular media is not showing. For instance, what I said in Germany, where they protest every week or in the Netherlands. Now we have the problem with the farmers. So they are protesting nearly every day in the Netherlands, in the South, in the North, but regular media is not showing it. So it's frustrating for the people. But I mean, it's it's actually a shame because, you know, protesting or demonstrating is uh, what is in the constitution is allowed. So people should report about it in the media.
3: Uh, Why do you think the issue of so-called Russian propaganda remains
4: such a hot topic of European media outlets? Well, as I said many times, uh, they have an agenda and this agenda is uh, they're actually fighting a proxy war in uh, Ukraine, uh, America and uh, the West Europe against Russia and this is the whole idea. And people in the West are to believe that it's actually about Ukraine because Russia invaded Ukraine. So this is the terrible part. That's why Russia is very bad. And but this is they don't want to let this come out. But surely, but surely it, it will come out, of course, because people are awake a little bit now. But this is what they want to hide. it's right? actually and also the Great Reset plans that uh, the gas. Actually, the problem with the gas is they don't want fossil fuels anymore. So blame it on Russia that mm-hmm. we don't take gas anymore. But actually, it's their plan, and it's nothing to do with Russia.
3: Mm. Uh, RT, this channel has obviously mm-hmm. been a, a target of uh, sanctions. Why do you think that the German government's really got it in for RT?
4: Well, it's of course, it's a very huge, public broad public. It has, especially in Germany, RT Deutsch, for instance, and. So they are afraid. They are afraid that people watch it and say, "Hey, that's a different story what they are telling. Maybe we should investigate ourselves what mm. is really, you know, the truth." So they are afraid. They're afraid of what? The people are afraid of RT. Afraid of what the Russian side is telling. Many thanks for coming in today.
0: <sighs> because they really I do believe in this new world order okay i do believe that's what they're trying to do order out of chaos they want to bring the whole known world to its knees okay and they want to bring us to a point where you know we have to need the government okay that's what they're trying to do and it's scary because it's coming that way it is definitely coming to that point and people are not paying attention people are not paying attention to what's going on people are still partying people are still drinking now understanding that we're in some very hard times coming food is getting more expensive i don't know if you ever been to a fast food joint lately But food is expensive I don't know if you've gone grocery shopping But food is costing a lot more In some parts of the US You go to a grocery store The aisles are bare or You see one aisle One particular aisle It is just empty Or two or three This is not a joke And our free speech Is being castrated Okay? It's not. People are going to wake up the hard way, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's how it's going to go down. I don't know if anybody's seen, like, Beef uh, for Vendetta. That's how it's going to be like. It's sad, but people just not taking it in they're not taking it in what's going on okay now to talk about bill gates believe what he actually owns now that's right bill gates patent gives him exclusive rights to computerize the human body the man i don't how did he get the right to patent the human body that is something patent granted to bill gates awarded the self-appointed world health star the exclusive rights to computerize human bodies and use them as local wireless virus networks i don't i don't know how that is possible i don't know how to get that plus this man is only knows about microsoft what does he know about world health Human body is vibrating, thrombic, pulsing gateway of tubes and tunnels, filled with electrodes and all capable of transmitting information. The lifeblood of the internet in the 21st century. Now it has emerged that Gates Microsoft was granted exclusive rights to the ability of the body to act as a
5: computer network.
0: It's weird. If this sounds too much like science fiction, then you are welcome to check this out for yourself. Microsoft was aware was awarded U.S. patent 6754472, which is titled Method and Apparatus for Transmitting Power and Data Using the Human Body, which really should be a science fiction if you stop to think about it. Did anybody consult you about whether you are willing to hand over to Bill Gates the exclusive rights to your body? Civil Liberties Group's have expressed outrage over Gates move to patent the human body. Body parts in this case, skin should be not in any way be patentable, said Jim Thompson, of the ETC group, which monitors development in technology. There are big questions here about whether individuals will be able to refuse this technology. It is used in, for example, tracking devices. Paul Schwab's right-hand man, Uval Noah Harari says there is no question that individuals will have no say whatsoever about refusing this technology according to harari the designer of life will no longer be god the world economic forum are going to be the designers of the future of life harari also explains why gates patent on the human body is so important gates was at the forefront of the computer science revolution according to harari and he is also at the forefront of the revolution in the biological sciences, and guess what, according to Harari, Bill Gates, two revolutions are about to merge. While Harari is dropping some hints, Gates is remaining coy about what they plan to do to the human body, and more to the point whose human bodies they plan to computerize. The big question is whether Gates is planning to allow his human subjects a choice in the matter. According to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Gates has a godly willingness to experiment with the lives of lesser humans. Kennedy Jr. goes on to warn that Bill Gates has used his money to systematically purchase power, exceeding in some respects, those builded by presidents and is using these powers to experiment on human beings like Guinea Pigs. The Gates strategy of buying new World Health Organization and purchasing control of U.S. health officials like Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks Means the Microsoft co-founder can now dictate global health policies affecting 7 billion people and control the most intimate details of our lives, said Kennedy Jr. on his Instagram page. Under his direction to WHO is conducting global social and medical experimentation, applying Gates religious faith that he can use technology, vaccines, and GMO agriculture and his deep understanding of computers to make him a savior of all humanity. We are his guinea pigs. But if you think Gates' plans for humanity are disturbing, wait till you meet people he's collaborating with. A controversial proposal by a New York University professor to combat climate change through biohacking has attracted the attention of the World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation. Strap yourself in, things are about to get weird. Matthew Leo, a bio a bioethics at nyu first presented the proposal in a paper he wrote in 2012 titled human engineering and climate change the crux of the paper argues for the use of radical biomedical interventions for in humans so as to create people who are literally physiological environmentally friendly these biological medical biomedical interventions Involve three approaches a eugenics program against all against tall people inducing intolerance towards meat including beef pork and chicken and radically lowering birth rates by altering women's cognitive abilities lyle states that it's necessary to have a eugenics program that breeds tall people out of the population because the increase in height over the past few centuries has had a negative environmental impact Because tall people consume more calories. To carry out the eugenics program, Lau has two suggestions. The first one being genetic screenings of embryos before IVF implantation so that parents can have the option to choose children who are likely to be short and small. Leo's second suggestion is even more radical and involves injecting children with hormones to severely stunt their growth so they consume less calories while they are adults as for inducing meat intolerance layout issues the globalist elites favorite use climate change to argue that we must make people allergic to meat by stimulating the immune system against common biovine protein this is taking authoritarianism to a whole new level of course anything attempted by mao's china or Stalin's russia it's going to be meat as humans have since time began Wef wants us to eat Bill Gates, Bill Gates lab grown meat. The elite has also have a thing for cannibalism. Here is the Wef aligned transhumanist political politician ben Zen consuming lab grown human meat in what he claims is a historic first. Forty year old Facebook politician turned biohacker claims that lab grown human meat is from cell cultures that he took from his own skin. It doesn't exactly look tasty. Why do they want us to eat crickets, bugs, lab grown human meat? The answer lies how badly they want to humiliate and degrade us. Now, if you don't believe about them wanting us to eat crickets and bugs, you go on Twitter and you see Nicole Kidman, um, Robert Downey Jr., and many other celebrities, Salma Hayek, all eating bugs. Okay? And that's what they want us to do to eat bugs. Go look it up now if you want. Okay. But Lao suggestion don't stop there. Get on to the elite's favorite topic, depopulation, and Lau suggests that to lower birth rates even further, have should pump women full of smart drugs to hence their cognitive abilities. He arrives at this conclusion by arguing that the more educated women become, the less children they have. Ah Women with low cognitive ability are more likely to have children before age 18 says Lau. Hence, another possible human engineering solution is to use kind of enhancements such as Ritalin and madofil to achieve lower birth rates. Wow. And there you have it. You know, that that's that's what they want. That is what they want to do. It's insane. Insane. You want to look at Bill Gates as some sort of hero?
6: He's not.
0: He's not buying up all the farmland. Let's make sure he controls the food. Pretty obvious. Okay. Donetsk warrants politicians killed in Ukrainian attack, local lawmaker Maria Peregova was among several civilians casualties following recent heavy shelling of the city by Kyiv troops. Maria Peregova, a 29-year-old volunteer and MP in the local people's council, was killed in the city of Donetsk. Tuesday, as a result of artillery shelling and rocket attacks by Ukrainian military, a statement on her death was released by the acting head of the Donkis People for Public DPR, Denise Bushlin. Rogova is among the six civilians killed across the city that day. The lawmaker's death was an erroneous loss for all of us, Bushlin said, extending his condolences to Miriam's family and friends. In 2014, when she was only 21 years old, she began to help people. She gathered things, delivered them herself to those in need. She was not afraid to go to the most dangerous places to help others. Kushlin wrote on his Telegram channel, praising the late politician as the epitome of kindness with an exceptional talent at doing good. Peter Gova was killed as Key's forces subjected Donetsk to new round of rocket and artillery attacks targeting multiple locations across the city. According to the city's mayor, Aliski Kilimanzyn, Ukrainian troops hit a business center and market in the Donbass area, sports complex, several shopping centers, a bus station, a cathedral, a local prosecutor's office, and multiple residential buildings. The attacks left at least six civilians dead and several wounded. Donetsk has been subjected to heavy artillery and missile attacks by Ukrainian forces on almost a daily basis since Russia launched its military operation in late February since 2014. When the Donbass conflict broke out and in the aftermath of the maiden coup in Kyiv, the city has endured years of low intensity fighting and sporadic shelling by the Ukrainian military. Earlier this year, the DPR and the Lunggotsk People's Republic (LPR), as well as the Kershyn and the regions formally joined Russia following overwhelming support in local referendums. It's sad that it's how you know it's going. Ukraine is going to suffer. Okay. It's it's just matter there they there needs to be a peace treaty drawn up. Okay? Because this nonsense has to stop. Innocent people are being killed I mean, even, you know, you know, Ukrainian civilians, they're suffering. Nobody's winning. You're not going to win against Russia. You're not. Russia is going to wipe Ukraine off the map. And that peace treaty has to come up. But unfortunately, US, the United States is not going to uh, is not going to stop uh, sending money to Ukraine. They're not. And that's sad because Ukrainian people are going to suffer. And then sooner or later they're going to have they're going to be paying the price because Tunis is going to have no choice but to show his hand. And he's going to have to lay down the law hard on these Nazis as well as the U.S. government, which means we're going to suffer. We're going to end up feeling the wrath because of these greedy politicians. right that's what's gonna happen and despite what they tell you about
7: these ukrainian soldiers they're not the good guys okay they're not and they're doing things
0: that are just out of pocket Okay? I'm gonna show you some things right now. called the uh the dance. It's Titanic right. Satanic traditional dance. basically that's what they're doing. Okay. This is what they they think about Russians. okay? Ukraine baby for breakfast. This is what they do. This is what they doing. okay? The Kyiv regime is trying to force the Orthodox Church persons to sing you the Ukrainian anthem instead of the church chants. Personers refuse and continue singing the chants. The Kyiv regime Nazi raiders then begin yelling that these churchgoers should to Russia. To storm the temple of the canonical church in Frank Frankish in Western Ukraine.
5: What doing.
0: It's their own people. Their own people that are terrorizing their people. Ukrainian Nazis assault churches of the Orthodox faith. Footage: of The resistance programs against Jews
7: in the 1930s Germany with elder. Per- Russian is terrorized by Banderit thug. Okay.
0: Here we have Ukrainian Nazis assault churches of the Orthodox faith footage that resembles the Nazi programs. So, what they do? See? Mainstream media ain't telling you this, though. All right. U.S. Colonial Douglas McGregor, Russia has drawn the line on the sand, and we won't be bullied by the U.S. any longer. That's what
2: Russia is saying. And we became the indispensable nation that could effectively bully anybody, anywhere, anytime to do whatever we wanted them to do. We got away with that for quite a long time. And I think that uh, Russia has now drawn the line in the sand and said, we won't be bullied by you anymore.
0: That's it. United States government. <clears throat> the United States is a live freedom of speech and everything. But it's great be- in spite of what the U.S. government's doing to other nations. And other nations are getting fed up now. Okay. And other nations are not taking it anymore. So God forbid anything happens to us. It's because of our government chose to be crooked and harm other people for their own profit. Loyalty splinter Ukraine town. Today's New York Times brought a report from, I can't read that, Siga to the front page. The author is forced to admit that the majority of the inhabitants are pro-Russian, waiting for the return of the Russian world and calling the Ukrainians occupiers. And he is also very indignant at the fact that the inhabitants of the city clearly indicate that the destru- destruction in it was the result of Ukrainian shelling and not Russian ones. Okay. Ukrainian neo-Nazis. Uh, our child beautiful thing. On the left, we have a letter from the Archbishop of Ukrainian Unit Church, Andrei Stepeshitsky, where he writes to Adolf Hitler in 1942 and calls himself his devote servant. A few months later, on the right, we have a letter from the same guy who now writes to Stalin in 1944, where he opens with opens his speech with to the leader. And the Grand Marshal of the Invincible Red Army. Political prostitutes think is it is important,
5: <clears throat>
0: it is important to choose the right side at the right time. But history shows that you have to stick to the truth, whatever the situation is. It's sad people who turn to cowards to uh, save their own skin. That's basically what it is. AFU appeal to the command. We did not receive proper <laughs> this is the Ukrainian, this is the Ukrainian military now. OK. AFU appeal to the command. We did not receive proper weapons and artillery support. As a result, 70 percent of the company was killed or wounded. We didn't even have equipment to evacuate the wounded, which is why several of the wounded did not survive. And this is the Ukrainian military.
6: Okay,
0: They're being forced to fight because of Zelensky. A war that they're not even getting the proper supplies. U.S. government sending billions of dollars in weapons and food and supplies, they ain't getting none because the p- the higher ups in the Ukrainian army are stealing it. Let's go. I don't know why it's not working, huh? One oh, minute. All right, moving on. Well, that was the translation. All right. Daily Mail reports on the at- Aussie Kossack versus Ukrainian protester gang at town hall today. In short, the event was summed up the conflict. Ukrainians attack the Russians and when the Russians defend themselves, the Ukrainians lay on the floor like Brazilians soccer to be victims. That's all that's going on, man. That's all that's going on. All right, bullying and abuse in Ukrainian ranks. Apparently in this video, a group of soldiers are congratulating one of, one of their colleagues on his birthday. The man is wrapped up in a marauder style and dragged outside in the freezing cold. This is what they do to their own people as a joke. What else are they doing to prisoners and civilians, Who they call as collaborators? All right. Sad that even the British are trying to help out Ukraine. British Marines and commandos participated in the COVID operations in Ukraine repeatedly, including an op with high risk, with high political risk.
7: All right. Let's check it out.
0: Royal Marines though. Well, you know, I could see the fact because uh you know the Britain is not these European uh nations are not squeaky clean and they do things they're not supposed to be doing. Hold on a second. world marines deployed on high-risk covert operations in ukraine the world marines have taken part in the covert operations in ukraine a senior general has admitted for the first time general robert gowan said that commandos supported discrete operations in a high in a hugely sensitive environment he said that their missions carried a
7: high Political and military risk. The British Embassy
0: became clear that Russian troops were amassing an invasion. Right, a lot of these people throwing away their lives, okay, to fight a war. On the wrong side you're fighting for whites you're fighting for nazis that's what you're doing okay that is what they're doing this is what the usa wants the greatest natural resources on earth destroy russian people and give 500 years of riches to the financial elite
7: i believe it this is why they fight Russia, split it up and take There I am. There I am. They replaced the word uh, pedophile with the word maps.
0: Okay. Maps is minor attracted persons. And that's what they're trying to do. All right. Free speech is being censored. Legitimate, true reporting. Journalism is being censored. And the only only news they want to make sure you get is from mainstream media, which is controlled by the billionaires of this country and the world okay all right <clears throat> on to
7: next topic okay
0: going to go on to What's next Yep. We're going to talk about J.K. Rowling. That's what we're going to talk about now. What has she done? What has J.K. Rowling done now?
7: one second
5: Yep
0: Here we go J.K. Rowling funds woman-only rape help center. J.K. Rowling has launched a new women-only support service for victims of sexual violence. The author says Lira's place to provide free support and advocacy for women in Edinburgh who have experienced abuse at any time in their lives. She said the service would meet an unmet need in response to demands of female survivors of abuse. Ms. Rowling said it was important that survivors had the option of women-centered and women-delivered care. Great Crisis Scotland said support should be available the alphabet and non-binary people the harry potter creator had has held a long-standing interest in women's and children's issues and had been a vocal critic of scottish government's reform of the gender recognition act other critics of the reform are among those on board of directors for Theatre's Place. As well as Ms. Rowling, they include former prison governor Rhonda Hoptis, previous Scottish Labour Leader Johan Lamont, GP Margaret McCarthy, and Director for Women Scotland, Susan Smith. The new venture is being held, being funded by the author who lives in Edinburgh. It's not a charity, we will not rely on donations. Miss Rowling said, I founded Vera's Place to provide what I believe is currently an unmet need for women in the Lothians area. As a survivor of sexual assault myself, I know how important it is that survivors have an option of women-centered and women-delivered care at such a vulnerable time. Vera's Place will offer an increased capacity for services in the area and and will, and I hope enable more women to process and recover from their trauma. Named after Bira, the Scottish goddess of winter, it will be run by a paid staff of experienced support workers and headed by chief executive Isabel Kerr and deputy chief executive Susan Domini. They previously ran the Glasgow and Clyde Rape Crisis. Ms Kerr said, "Violence against women and girls is an issue that crosses all cultures, classes and religions. These are gendered crimes that are overwhelmingly perpetrated by men and disproportionately experienced by women. Beer's Place recognizes that effective sexual violence services must be independent, needs led, and provide responsive women centered services so that they are free from the pressure of our political agendas. We are committed to ensuring that our service is free, confidential, and accessible to women survivors who may need it. The establishment of Beer's Place comes two months after Ms. Rowlands reported a rally protesting against the gender recognition reform Scotland bill. She wore a t-shirt calling First Minister Nicola Sturgeon a destroyer of women's rights. Proposed new law will make it easier for people in Scotland. Recognize gender and do its final vote at the Holly Rod next week. We remove the requirement for medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria as a condition requiring a gender recognition certificate. Critics have raised concerns about the impact it could have on single sex spaces such as women's refuge and prisons. The Scottish government has denied this, saying it will streamline the process, which is currently invasive and distressing for an already marginalized group rape crisis scotland which was 17 centers across scotland said it would welcome any new service to support survivors of sexual violence it added it is crucial that life-saving support offered by rape crisis centers is available to transformer and non-binary people all rape Crisis services in scotland offer support to trans women and have done for for 15 years there has not been a single incident of anyone abusing this we continue to see the paths of equality for women and transformer people are deeply been deeply interconnected and dependent on shared efforts to dismantle systems of discrimination writer susan moore who interviewed jk rowling on the opening of beer's place told bbc radio for women's hour "It's a major undertaking for the author a project like this is years in the making she said she has gathered a team of experts, people who have worked in the rape crisis centers, and what she really wants to ensure is this is not a charity that is subject to the women of the power that its funding is never under threat. That's why J.K. Brown is funding this herself. It is really simple, and in some ways it is not. A, it has not got a lot to do with the whole Transformer issue. In political and the complex politics of Scotland it does do something... Improve the lives of the most vulnerable women and children. Now, the thing is, you have spaces for trans women and non binary. So, what is the problem if J.K. Rowland makes this specifically for women? For women, I don't see the problem with that. Okay. And, but I really do blame feminists because when feminism said they wanted to bring everybody in and want to make everybody you lost the, your rights to be a woman in the process now you got trans of uh, the alphabet joining women's faces and terrorizing it okay you can do the research yourself you see a lot of women they're being assaulted and put in their own spaces in prison by alphabet mafia unfortunately rarely is anything going to change all right moving on to the next story This story has to deal with a person who works for CNN. Well, not anymore. You doesn't work.
2: Here we go. A new now at 6. Former CNN producer pleading guilty today to one charge uh, connected to the transportation and assault of a Nevada minor back in 2020. This is all according to court documents. 45-year-old John Griffin initially faced three counts in his case. That got negotiated down to one. He is sentenced in March. He is facing
0: 10 years to life in prison. Ten years to life in prison is something. Okay, he he is not getting out. He may not even make it past the first. And that's just uh, not pretty much. Just just an observation. He's he's not going to get out. <clears throat> that that.
7: All right. If he does, is he's getting out in a box. a second
5: Hold on a minute
0: Okay, here we are. A CNN producer, John Griffin pleads guilty to sex charge, to child sex charge. All right, a former CNN producer pleaded guilty to a child sex charge Monday for for sexually assaulting and luring her to his Vermont ski house. John Griffin 45 pleaded guilty in federal court to using interstate commerce to for the enticement of a minor as part of a plea deal, in which the two remaining counts of enticement of a minor was initially charged. He was initially charged with last year were dropped. Griffin of Stanford, Connecticut, why why does he have to get a plea deal? Griffin of Stanford, Connecticut met a woman online and persuaded her to bring her nine-year-old daughter. To his $2.5 million where he engaged in sexual activity with the child according to prosecutors. Griffin paid the mother $3,000 in July 2020 to fly from Nevada to Boston where he picked them up in, in a Tulsa and drove them to, to his Lidlow, Vermont house where he directed the girl to engage in unlawful sexual activity. The mother of the character was also arrested with child abuse and child sexual assault charges. The former producer asked the parents of several minors to bring their daughters to his home for sex. train bragged about luring girls as young as seven to his pad. He told the parents he believed that a woman is a woman regardless of her age and that as such, all women should be sexually subservient and inferior to men, prosecutors said. Griffin tried to get other young girls to do sex acts for him through the their parents according to court in april of 2020 he suggested to the mother of a 14 year old girl that she and her daughter do a virtual
7: training session over video chat in which he would instruct the
0: at his direction and her a little mother-daughter trip to his ski house before sexual training he attempted to lure the girls to his Vermont ski house for training sessions on such things and cup worship. Prosecutors said in court documents Griffin, he, he, he is a dead man when he goes to jail. He is an utter dead man. Griffin, who has three children of his own, was arrested on December 10th, 2021, and originally pleaded not guilty to three counts of enticing a minor. He was fired by where he worked years following his arrest, and that was stated at the time. He faces a minimum of 10 years, only 10 years, and a maximum of life in prison at his sentencing on March 20th, and must pay full restitution, an amount yet to be determined to the victim. Griffin also faces up to 250000 and has agreed to forfeit his Tesla and to donate half of the proceeds from the sale of his Vermont ski home and a Mercedes into the court registry. He will likely be ordered to register as a sex offender and must participate in... Oh, man. This
6: is
0: just sickening, man. I some i reading comments. Good. Now clean out the rest of them. 99% of the co- that company are predators in more ways than one. According to the Alphabet Mafia folks, minor attracted people and animal attracted people are part of the club and are just misunderstood and shouldn't be judged or labeled as predators or dangerous sickos. Whatever happened to sexual assault charge crime against Don Levin? That's true. Whatever happened to that? Okay. Pretty sure Project Veritas exposed this one. Man, this is just gross, man. I, I I'm so I, I am appalled. I'm really appalled. That man needs to spend the rest of his life in jail. Okay. But he, he, you know, he probably, you know, he's going to spend the rest of his life in protective custody. That's what's going to happen. Or he's going to end up, you know, someone's going to end up handling him. That's what's going to happen. Someone is going to end up handling him. Because that's how it goes in prison. That's definitely how it goes in prison. These parents, man, these parents are so sick. I don't, I don't. The parents need to go to jail. As well. They need to go to jail. Because they they have to pay for this. They have to pay because you traumatize your daughter. For life. She will never, ever know what it's like to have a normal child. life is gone there is no type of uh what is there anyway on to the next story we're talking about the chinese citizens are fleeing uh, the Xi jinping's crackdown in china we'll be talking about that
7: way in China. An exodus of the rich and the wealthy.
8: They're fleeing the country en masse, seeking asylum in democratic nations. But the question is why? Why do they want to leave? And the answer is Xi Jinping. His repressive policies have impelled this exodus. His crackdown on millionaires, his clampdown on free speech, his repression of protests. And, of course, his draconian pursuit of those who have created the Chinese economic boom in the first place in the past two decades. This is forcing people to leave, making them shift to safe havens. I'll start with some numbers. Since 2012, more than 600,000 Chinese citizens have sought asylum overseas. 600,000 out of this, more than 100,000 asylum applications were filed in 2020 alone. And in 2022, then 10,000 high-net-worth individuals from China said they wanted to leave the country along with their money. The next big question, where are, which countries are they relocating to? According to one report, the most popular destinations are the U.S us singapore australia and let me show you some this one's from the 11th of december it says that canada is witness, witnessing a spike this year there was a 15% rise in applications from chinese nationals canada's department of immigration and citizenship apparently received more than 9925 applications and they were all for permanent residency Look at this report now. It says that after Xi Jinping's re election as president, online searches have exploded. Last month, more than 60 million people searched for information on WeChat. A week later, when another COVID 19 wave hit the country, the number of searches for leaving rose to 80. 80- over 48 billion dollars want to leave meaning they want to leave china with their wealth worth 48 billion dollars if this happens this will be the second largest wealth outflow for any country russia's number one on this list and now china will come second and then we have this report it came out earlier today it says covid wary Chinese millionaires are eyeing Singapore for relocation. Yes, Singapore is now becoming a magnet for China's rich and wealthy who want to flee this zero-COVID mess. What do all these developments tell you?
7: That Xi Jinping's policies have failed. Chinese society just in the list of abnormal life on China.
8: It's a story we repeatedly on the show. The crackdown on protests. It has further fueled fears in the public. People have started worrying about their future in the country, whether they will ever be able to live normally again. They've started perceiving zero-COVID as a tool to not just stop the virus, but to control the society. The second reason is a worsening credit crisis. Companies are defaulting on their debt, especially in the real estate sector. The Chinese government is reluctant to help distressed firms. Reason number three is China's crackdown on the wealth. Since last year, Xi Jinping has pushed for what he calls common prosperity. The objective of this is to redistribute China's wealth and narrow down the country's growing wealth gap. Naturally, for the rich, that is bad news. Because they are worried about losing their fortunes. These fears are not unwarranted. Just look at what China is doing. Under the goal of common prosperity, prominent chief executives have been forced to step down. Two of them, Wu Yajun and Pan Shi, have resigned in months. Similar trends are seen in the tech sector too. Richard Liu of JD.com, Zhang Yiming of ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, Suhua of Kuaishu, and Jack Ma of the Ant group, they all left their positions. Their exit happened after the Chinese state began a crackdown to rein in its people. The charges against them are appalling. Take the case of Sundao, an agricultural mogul. He has been put behind bars. His crime? Gathering a crowd to attack state organs. Obstructing government administration. And picking quarrels and provoking trouble. These are the charges. They're used often to go after any and every critic. Sun was an outspoken supporter and a friend of Chinese political dissidents. He has been punished with an 18-year-long prison term. And why just the billionaires? In the eight years that he has been in power, Xi Jinping has ordered a sweeping crackdown on everybody. Activists, journalists, lawmakers, journalists, No organ of the Chinese state has been left untouched by the president's purse. It doesn't matter who you are a citizen, a billionaire, or a lawmaker. The state will put you behind bars in Xi Jinping's China at his whim. So it shouldn't come as a surprise then that Chinese citizens are
7: leaving their. Ukraine very like, much like Ukraine really like, and now the people
0: that drive the economy, which are the rich, they want to leave. That's like many other rich in America, this type of fascism going on in America, they want to leave. what's going to happen? The country's going to go poor, they're going to go broke. you know people are going to be in charge of the government. It's insane, man. Insane. Nonsense that's going on. The nonsense that's going on.
7: All right.
0: Let's look at what's going on here with this. uh, The tridemic. that's about to happen. The tridemic. Let's look at that. One moment.
9: Three years later, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to remain in the global headlines. But our story tonight is not about the pandemic. It's about a tridemic. Let me say that again, a tridemic. Some health officials are warning about a tridemic this winter season. In fact, in Canada, the healthcare system is struggling in the face of a tridemic. First, what exactly is a tridemic? In simple terms, it's a triple triple threat of COVID-19, influenza, respiratory synchronicity virus, or RSV. According to reports, unprecedented number of patients are infected with respiratory viruses. Hospitals in the country are making arrangements for measures to tackle the extra load. In neighboring United States, Amid the holiday season, multiple respiratory viruses continue to do the rounds. Health officials have warned that nearly every state in the country is battling high levels of flu-like illness. Respiratory viruses continue to spread at high levels across the country. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention saying that they have been seeing signs of an early and severe flu season. In fact, the CDC earlier said that 44 states had reported high or very high flu activity. Experts have said that it was likely that there was more spread of respiratory viruses at crowded airports, also during holiday gatherings. With respiratory illness cases on the rise this year, drastic measures are being considered around the world to slow down the virus spread the spread of respiratory viruses is a lot more prevalent during the winter months now that's about the threat but what can you do to protect yourself does a triple threat of viruses mean triple the precaution well one of the best ways to protect yourself from contagious contagious viruses is of course by wearing a mask we also know that a well balanced diet has more benefits than one Your lungs can also benefit a lot from nutritious food, basically foods rich in vitamins, minerals, nutrients, limiting smoking, drinking alcohol. You can also keep your lungs healthy through breathing exercises to strengthen your lungs, maintain and follow proper hand hygiene to fight against viruses. We are now available in your country. Download.
0: So, right. So now we're dealing with all these viruses now. Okay, and it's a lot to to take in, but I can see the elite capitalizing on this, as we can see. All right, I'll leave you to figure that one out. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Jeffrey Sachs and how, once again, what could be, you know, basically, I'm sorry, the only way. To end this fight in Ukraine Is by coming up with negotiations for peace So let's talk about that right now
6: drones to attack two air bases hundreds of miles inside Russia. And an oil depot near the Ukrainian border. One of the air bases reportedly houses Russian nuclear-capable strategic bombers. While Ukraine has not publicly taken responsibility, a senior Ukrainian official told The New York Times, the drones were launched from inside Ukrainian territory with help from Ukrainian special forces on the ground near at least one of the Russian bases. Russia responded to the drone strikes by firing a barrage of missiles across Ukraine. This comes as millions of Ukrainians are bracing for a window of heat or electricity due to Russian strikes on Ukraine's civilian infrastructure. Meanwhile, Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, recently accused the U.S. and its NATO allies of becoming directly involved in the war by arming and training Ukrainian soldiers. We turn now to look at calls for negotiations to end the devastating war. Last week, during a state visit to the United States, French President Emmanuel Macron repeatedly said negotiations are the only way to end the fighting.
1: The only way to find a solution would be through negotiations. I don't see a military option on the ground.
6: That was French President Macron on 60 Minutes. He also told ABC negotiations with Russian President Vladimir Putin are still possible.
1: He knows very well. Europe, the U.S., and so on. He knows his people. I think he made mistakes. Is it impossible to come back at the table and negotiate something? I think it's still possible.
6: Last week, President Macron held a joint news conference with President Biden at the White House, during which Biden said he would consider sitting down with Putin to end the war.
1: I'm prepared to speak with Mr. Putin. If in fact there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war, he hasn't done that yet.
0: You, you know, uh, Biden, you should be talking with Ukraine cause Ukraine is the one that doesn't want to surrender. Doesn't want to submit to a peace agreement. Russia's Putin's always been for peace. He's always been for trying to have negotiations for peace, but the American government is still, providing funding for Ukraine and smuggling those weapons through Ukraine, okay? You should be talking to Ukraine.
5: If
1: that's the case, in consultation with my French and my NATO friends, I'll be happy to sit down with Putin to see what he wants has in mind. He hasn't done
6: that yet. A day after President Biden smoke, German Chancellor
7: Olaf Scholz spoke to
6: Vladimir President about... U Sustainable Development Solutions Network. He has served as advisor to three UN Secretaries General. His latest piece is headlined a mediator's guide to peace in Ukraine. He's joining us from Vienna, Austria. Professor Sachs, welcome back to Democracy Now. Why don't you lay out your thesis, your proposal for how this mediation can happen? We see there's a serious shift here. I mean Macron, with Biden at the White House, it was the first state visit um, to the White House under the Biden administration um, of any world leader. And clearly, this was the major subject of their talks, both um, Macron being a back-channel to Putin, but also then President Biden himself saying he would speak with Putin. What do you think needs to happen?
2: I think both sides uh, see that there is no military way out. I'm speaking of uh, NATO and Ukraine on one side and Russia on the other side. This war, like von Clausewitz told us two centuries ago, is politics by other means or with other means, meaning that there are political issues at stake here. And those are what need to be negotiated. What President Macron said is absolutely correct, that uh, President Putin wants political outcomes that, in my view, absolutely uh, can be met at the negotiating table. Uh, Just to quote uh, uh, what uh, Macron said in another interview, he said, one of the essential points we must address, meaning we, the West, as President Putin has always said, Is the fear that nato comes right up to its doors and the deployment of weapons that could threaten russia much of this war has been about nato enlargement from the beginning Uh, and in fact since nato enlargement to ukraine and georgia were put uh, on the table by president george w bush jr and then carried forward carried forward by the u.s neocons basically for the next 14 years This issue has been central and it's been raised as central. But President Biden uh, at the end of 2021 refused to negotiate over the NATO issue. But now is the time to negotiate the issue. That's the geopolitics at stake. There are other issues as well. But the point is this war needs to end because it's a disaster for everybody, a threat to the whole world, according to. European Union President uh, Ursula von der Leyen last week, 100,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died, 20,000 civilians. and the-
0: Yes, it is a horrible situation we're in, and it is disastrous for the world. I mean, the United States government's not going to stop funding Ukraine, and Putin's going to get pissed off, and he will fire those nukes. And, hey, in New York City, where I... I li- they already had um, PSA announcements on how to deal with a nuclear threat telling us how where to go to fallout shelters and all this stuff. So it's real. We could be expecting to be suffering because our government doesn't know when to quit.
2: The war continues. And so this is an utter disaster and we have not searched for the political solution. What's interesting, Amy, and I would emphasize it, is that inside the U.S., we're finally hearing about this. President Biden's statement was very consequential, but the week before that, perhaps as notable, was the statement of the chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, who said, now is the time to negotiate. What we see is a big debate inside the administration between the neocons on the one side, and I would say those who see reality on the other side. Victoria Nuland, uh, probably our neocon in chief in the administration, who's been part of this NATO enlargement from the start, uh, said, no, can't negotiate. But others are saying, you know, it's really time. So this is a debate within the U.S. as much as it is a question of sitting down between the United States and Russia.
1: And, and Jeffrey Sachs, you've mentioned that uh, there are four core issues that you believe need to be negotiated. Uh, you've written about these—not only the issue, obviously, of uh, NATO enlargement, uh, but also the issue of uh, protecting Ukraine's sovereignty and security, and also the fate of Crimea and the future of the Donbass. Could you uh, uh, talk a little bit about those other issues, especially the fate of Crimea? Because most Americans and the media in this country do not really cover the historic relationship of Crimea uh, to Russia and its uh, military importance to Russia. Yeah, Juan, thank
2: thank you very much. From the beginning, from before the beginning, uh, from uh, 2021, when Putin made clear what the political issues at stake were. But I happen to know—this goes back uh, in many ways back to 1990, 91. I was at that point an advisor to the economic team of President Gorbachev, and then later President Yeltsin, and Ukrainian President Kuchma. So I've watched this from the start. There have been a few very important political issues at stake. One is the NATO enlargement. I think it is really the dominant uh, issue. But three others are extremely important. Uh, of course, uh, I should say equally important is Ukraine's sovereignty, as a, as a sovereign country, and in need of security arrangements. But NATO, as Ukraine's security, doesn't work. Uh, it's, it's, it's an explosive brew. So one needs to find, as President Zelensky himself said earlier this year, before backing off from it, that there needed to be a non-NATO way to secure Ukraine. And there can be. So that's another uh, crucial issue, is Ukraine's sovereignty and security in a non-NATO manner. The third issue that is very consequential is Crimea. Crimea, the uh, peninsula—people can look on the uh, map—the peninsula and the Black Sea has been the home to Russia's naval fleet in the Black Sea and therefore completely consequential for Russia's uh, economic uh, and uh, foreign policy and military security since 1783. So this is from Russia's point of view, uh, an absolutely core issue. And incidentally in 2008, when George W. Bush Jr. was very unwisely pushing NATO enlargement, President Putin said specifically to President Bush in Bucharest at the time of the NATO-Russia meeting that if you push NATO enlargement, we retake Crimea. This was already explicit. And the point is that for Russia, this is vital. Now, after what happened, of course, in 1954, in a symbolic action because there was a Soviet Union at the time, not uh, not separate nations. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev, the uh, chairman of, of uh, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, the chairman of the Soviet Union, transferred Crimea from Russia to Ukraine. It, it didn't mean much. It was a celebration, a 300th anniversary of a treaty that uh, Khrushchev celebrated by this administrative transfer. It became consequential after the end of the Soviet Union and the independence of Russia and Ukraine. There was a delicate balancing act for many, many years, uh, especially in the early 2010s then President Viktor Yanukovych was negotiating with Russia to give a essentially a long-term lease to Crimea to satisfy Russia's security desires and needs as a as a balancing, as a as a delicate balancing. But the United States very unwisely and very provocatively contributed to the overthrow of Mr. Yanukovych in early 2014, setting in motion the tragedy before our eyes and that ended that delicate balance russia said crimea has to be ours because we just saw that we can't depend on a long term arrangement with ukraine the united states contributed to the overthrow of a, a ukrainian president who was negotiating with us over
6: see what i'm saying millions of Ukrainians i'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are bracing i don't know how that happened
2: Happened, and this is crucial to understand This is, I mean See what I'm saying?
0: You see what I'm saying with the United States government How they have their hand In other people's affairs And you try to get puppets Puppet leaders In governments in foreign countries And when you're meddling You start wars with other other nations And then you wonder why We wonder why have Almost half the world hates the United States Because of their meddling The United States caused, probably, contributed to this war in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine.
2: Is that in 2015 there were agreements to solve this problem by giving autonomy to these uh, eastern regions that were predominantly ethnic Russian, and these are called the Minsk agreements, Minsk I and Minsk II. And in particular for Minsk II, the Europeans, especially France and Germany, uh, said, we will be guarantors of that. But then Ukraine, under the post Yanukovych regime, two presidencies, uh, Poroshenko and Zelensky, refused to implement the Minsk II agreement, saying they're dead. We don't accept them. We don't accept autonomy. Russia said, well, you had a diplomatic agreement, and now this is violated, and this became another cause of this war. And we need a resolution of the Donbas issue as well. Ukrainian sovereignty, no NATO enlargement, de facto Russian control over Crimea, some kind of solution like Minsk too, Uh, some kind of autonomy, some solution for the Donbas. These are the four pieces that can save Ukraine, spare Russia, save the world from what is a growing disaster. And this is why we need a pragmatic approach.
1: Jeffrey Sachs, if I can, uh, if you could briefly talk about how uh, we're hearing virtually every week of a new announcement of more U.S military aid and and, and economic aid to Ukraine how is this a constant stream of weapons and and a buttress
0: okay with the minx agreement all right Russia had a proxy war with Ukraine all right and the minx agreement they, they both were to um You know, Russia was to, you know, they were supposed to exchange prisoners. Uh, Basically, they were supposed to, all right, we're going to have a truce and everything. But both sides violated that agreement, unfortunately. That's also another reason why we're here, why everything is happening now as well.
1: ...of the Ukrainian government uh, either helping to end the war
2: or helping to prolong it. It is prolonging it, definitely. And I think both sides miscalculated. Uh, Putin calculated that the initial invasion would push Ukraine to the negotiating table, and these political issues would be resolved. And frankly, in uh, March, after the February invasion, there were negotiations, there were exchanges of documents. The mediators, uh, the Turkish government, said we're coming close to an agreement. Indeed, both sides, both Russia and Ukraine, said we're coming close to an agreement. Then the Ukrainians walked away from the negotiating table. We don't know the full story to that. My own uh, guess is that the U.S. and U.K. said you don't have to uh, compromise in that way. There was a U.S. project for more than a decade to expand NATO, and I think there were forces in the administration that did not want to give up that project. And so, Ukraine backed away from the negotiations, and the war went on. Now, on the U.S. side, the calculation was that NATO weaponry—the HIMARS and others—combined with very tough economic sanctions combined with freezing hundreds of billions of dollars of Russia's assets, combined with what the United States expected to be a worldwide agreement to isolate Russia, believed that this would bring the Russian economy to a state of collapse so that Russia could not continue to prosecute the war, this was also a serious miscalculation. Most of the world did not go along with the Western sanctions. Even in these votes in the United Nations, if you wait by the country populations involved, it's 20 percent of the world or 25 percent of the world that has voted against Russia, but most of the world not. The economic transactions of Russia with China, with India, uh, with uh, many other parts of the world have continued. The Russian economy is absolutely not collapsed. Russia has not run out of armaments. We have uh, even reports today that some of these missile attacks have been uh, identified by uh, intelligence experts as newly manufactured. Uh, So this is not uh, only the uh, old stockpiles. So the Western calculation was wrong as well. Russia did not collapse. Neither side collapsed. We entered a war of attrition. To simply pump more money into this in an open-ended way right now is disastrous. It just means tens or hundreds of thousands of people killed more in addition to the hundred thousand or more already dead among Ukrainian forces. It means continued disruption to the world economy, which is uh, taking its toll all over the world. It, it's clear we need political outcome. Neither side is going to win militarily the way they expected. The costs of this war are brutal. And what the administration is trying to do is put in another 40 billion legislation at the end of the year that has to be voted up or down, not on the Ukraine issues, but on the overall keeping government open issues. So we're not having that debate in Congress that we really need, because the opinion surveys are showing That more and more Americans say something's not right. Tens of billions of dollars, people dying, massive economic disruption. Where are the negotiations? And that's the real debate we need in Congress. But the administration's trying to stick in another $40 billion without that debate taking place.
6: To be clear, Professor Sachs, you've denounced Russia's invasion as violent uh, of Ukraine.
2: I'm, I'm sorry, Amy. You denounced opening.
6: Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
2: Of course, it's it, absolutely this was a collision that is disastrous, and the cruelty of the Russian invasion is enormous. But the foolishness, recklessness of the U.S. neoconservatives to push to this point is also something that needs. Finally, Professor
6: Sachs, who would negotiate? Who would be the mediator that you're talking about? Or mediators? We have 30 seconds.
2: Clearly, uh, the Turks are extremely skilled. This is their region. They've been deeply involved. Pope Francis, the U.N. Secretary General, the U.N. Security Council, uh, of course, which includes all of the major actors, all of these can play a role. But I would say Turkey, as a leader in the Black Sea region who knows all the participants, can can do this. But this is not negotiation between Ukraine and Russia. This must be between the United States and Russia over the NATO issue, as well as Ukraine and Europe over the security issues that are so much at stake, and of course Ukraine's core interests.
6: Well, Jeffrey Sachs, I want to thank you so much for being.
2: Okay, so um, let me
0: tell you what's you know how bad this is. Let me tell you how bad this is. Talk about Germany now. <clears throat> While Putin readies nuclear missiles, Germany has run out of munitions and can only fight a war for two days. Okay, so we're talking about Germany's military, all right. And uh, people need to leave Russia alone. Okay, just just leave them alone. People will think that oh, you're on Russia's side. No, I just see the fact that Russia has the advantage here. He's made the U.S. government look like clowns. He's made Ukraine look like clowns. All right. Putin is a ver- Putin is a very dangerous man. Okay, and people need to start thinking about their lives here. Germany's military readiness has collapsed. The German defense ministry has publicly stated it could only sustain a war for one week as shortages in supplies and soldiers. What's more astonishing is that a German lawmaker says that too, says that's too optimistic. The real duration of what Germany is capable of sustaining in a war is just two days. If war is announced on Monday, in other words, Germany is finished by Wednesday and forced to surrender. NATO countries running out of ammunition as Germany left with two days of stocks. This is from TheExpress.co.uk. Germany has been facing pressure to maintain its defense commitment to NATO while providing Ukraine with necessary weaponry to fight back against Russia. According to local reports, the German army has left with only two days worth of ammunition to sustain active combat if necessary. While Russia is reportedly firing 20,000 artillery rounds per day, which implies they are able to manufacture something close to 2000, I'm sorry, 20,000 rounds per day. NATO countries like Germany have near zero ability to manufacture much of anything needed to sustain a war. In Germany's case, that's due to their reliance on cotton linters from China, a component used in artillery munitions. Apparently Germany sort Germany sources this material exclusively from china and china turns out to be nine months behind schedule on shipping cotton linters okay why continent why our continent is extremely difficult to source from china right now because china has been using the lockdowns as a cover story to to focus on its own military readiness pursuing a path that will ultimately lead china to war with the west meanwhile the west is largely dependent on china for its war components thanks to outsourcing and short-sightedness among woke nato country leaders the widespread ammunition shortage has caught nearly all war professionals planners operators and an- analysts by surprise the ukraine war is eating up available ammunition supplies at a huge rate that's because they're losing what do european military planners no longer plan isn't it the point of planning to make sure you plan ahead the collapse of practical intelligence among woke european countries is truly astonishing they can no longer even manufacture ammunition something china has been doing for thousands of years long before the current nations of western europe even existed adding to the embarrassment german soldiers are missing all sorts of supplies including in some cases winter socks pants and ballistic jackets says asia times are you kidding no pants for german soldiers are they supposed to fight the war- The Russian half-naked attack in your underwear? <laughs> no doubt Putin is experiencing outrageous laughter at all of this. The U.S. meanwhile is also running out of munitions and military weapons for the simple reason that they've sent most existing weapons to Ukraine. The shortage of smart weapons has come about because the U.S. has used its critical war stocks to supply Ukraine, something the Pentagon never planned. Thus now, famous weapons such as the Stinger manned portable missiles and Javelin anti-tank rockets are now almost out of stock. In the not-too-smart short, not too smart, sorry, weapons category, the U.S. is short of conventional ammunition, particularly 155 millimeter artillery shells that are the backbone not only of Ukraine's artillery capability, as older Russian-made Ukrainian artillery tubes wear out, but also the North Atlantic Treaty Organizations. America's 155 millimeter artillery shells, turns out, are being manufactured in South Korea, not the USA. And Poland is buying tanks from Hyundai Rotom after sending their Soviet era tanks to Ukraine, most of which have already been destroyed by Russia. All this begs the obvious question why is the West provoking World War III with Russia when Western nations can't manufacture enough weapons? of war to actually wage World War III. All of this is happening. The Western media is going into a frenzy over Putin's public deployment of Yard's missile systems, which carry nuclear warheads that can strike the United States. Although the left-wing media hyperventilating over this seems overblown, since Putin has long had ICBMs ready to launch at Western nations, it does bring to light Something critical to understand. Russia's missiles are two decades more advanced than those of the USA. Many U.S.-based ICBMs are still running on 1980s technology. For example, they follow dumb flight paths that are entirely predictable and able to intercept by Russia's advanced anti-air defense systems. Russia, on the other hand, has both nuclear-capable hypersonic missiles as well as advanced MIRV units re-entry warheads, capable of complex maneuvers, and hypersonic glide paths. These cannot be intercepted by anyone technologically possessed by the West, and this means if Russia launches such nukes at the U.S. and the U.K., there's literally nothing that can be done to stop them. The West is now characterized by dumb missiles and dumb leaders. It won't be difficult at all for Putin or China to defeat the Western nations should they decide to pursue that course of action. Hilariously, Europe is destroying itself by cutting off its own energy sources, forcing its own widespread de Putin must be asking himself who needs to bomb Europe when the Wokies are carrying out far worse acts of destruction on their own. Gets and This is basically it, man. I mean, it's pretty much an embarrassing situation to be with. If you're, a, you know if you're living in Europe or the United States, all right, you're seeing the Western countries destroy themselves. But I think that's just the plan of the new world order. So tell me what you think. This stream is over. Everything you want to know about this channel is in the comment section. You can check me out on rumble. um, And I am radical thought 791 on rumble. So you can check me out there. Other than that,
7: We could comment in the comment section. We could talk, like, share, comment, and subscribe later.